just to get started, Sunil, why have you put all of your time and energy into tallied right now? What is it about what you're trying to achieve that gets you up every day and has you motivated? Yeah. Um, so I know there are a lot of founding stories that companies have that their mother couldn't buy something or they couldn't get the help they needed and they go out and do that. That's not my story, right? Um, first of all, um, for me, I'm driven by sort of larger understanding of the marketplace um, and what are the gaps, where the opportunities are, and, and, and to help you sort of why, why that framework. So I grew up in a very sort of small town village in India uh, where, I mean, the scarcity of water and the basic day-to-day -day things that we take granted for no electricity, no school, all that. So there are a lot of different problems that I could have sort of solved and gone back. But when you come out of that environment, you are driven primarily by survival instinct. And it applied to me, you have a very narrow path to success, which is become an engineer or a doctor, and hopefully you have good education, you get a job. So I sort of went through that journey. And, and along the way, uh, you learn uh, the fundamentals of sort of the the macroeconomics and the demand and supply, the society, the community and, and business value creation. So I've been a student of that along, along my sort of journey. And I landed in the Valley in 2000, again, driven by the idea that where can I have the best impact in my career? So this is the place if you're a technologist, if you're an engineer. So it was driven by that. I didn't have an idea. I didn't have a playbook that I'll go to the Valley and do this or do that. But it gave me a platform to learn, work with early stage companies, work, work with some of the largest enterprise software companies like Oracle and EMC and HP and all of that. So I learned in that process. And then I said, okay, it's time to make a move where I want to now really be into the entrepreneurial journey and went to business school, came back. And again, sort of it has been a string of startups driven by the idea that if you want to have impact as an individual, as a leader, as an entrepreneurial sort of spirit, uh, startup is the place where you can have the most impact, right? You're always going to get caught up in this corporate drama or that dynamics, that bureaucracy in a large organization. So where is that path? So that led me to sort of be on this bandwagon of startups, one after another, from early stage, seed, series A, pre-IPO, you name it, right? I went through that journey. And the, the theme here is that I'm not chasing a specific idea or a specific domain or a specific problem that I want to solve. And what I'm pursuing is a meta platform where you can have value creation and impact. So taking that theme to tallied, um, spending the last 15 or so years in the FinTech ecosystem, financial services, many different problems, uh, payments and issuance and card processing, lending, looked at all of that, credit cards. And for me, again, if you apply the meta framework that I described is that looking closely in all these different dimensions, I realized that there is a one large unaddressed category and there are many others, but in my sort of line of sight, credit card infrastructure is a large unaddressed sort of marketplace, which is still um, sort of served by legacy players who own a majority of the market share, huge opportunity, nobody has addressed it my domain knowledge, my experience, my network, my background fits perfectly well for it. So this is a good match. Let's go and solve this problem at scale, right? Very uh, capitalistic market-driven approach, uh, no emotional strings to it that, okay, because I had a problem accepting payments or issuing cards, 
yeah, I saw it viscerally where um, at Lendup, it took two years to launch a credit card program, right? Because the, the infrastructure was poor and old and, and jinky and, and, and all of that, right? So that's kind of the foundation of why I decided to sort of jump on this train and, and build Tallied and, and solve this problem. It's a massive market opportunity just in the US. To put it in perspective, credit card, top of wallet, everyday usage card product, uh, most frequently used, $4 trillion of transaction volume in the US alone. So even if you scratch the surface and, and you make some business value out of it, it's still a massive business that you can create. Having said that, personally, on my personal side, uh, I'm driven by some ideals around um, conscious capitalism, which is how do you sort of take the good out of capitalistic value drivers and apply towards elevating human consciousness, bringing value back into the community and society. So that's the parallel track that I am on along with building a business, if that helps. No, that's great. I, I, as I kind of read between the lines, um, it, it, it goes along with a line of thinking that I've had recently too, which is there's so many uh, groups who come out and it's as if they're saving the world um, but it's kind of just washing over <laughs> what they're really uh, spending their time and energy doing. It's to me, it's refreshing when uh, a company says, "Hey, listen, we're not here to save the world, but in our world, this is a problem, and we believe we have a fix for it." And the way we conduct ourselves in the pursuit of that—that's what really motivates us too. And the way, and the way we uh, talk to our customers, the way we treat our team, what we try to do as a group who's just solving this problem that we happen to be very well trained. Uh, to solve for. And I, I think it's really refreshing uh, when it's when it's presented in that way. It's very believable and it's the truth. And I think there's, um, I think it's a, a, a admirable uh, to present it in that way. Thank you. Where, yeah. where, would, where would you say that you are on the journey now from the first, you know, kind of idea and then taking that first step towards that idea to today? Like, what would you say the journey has been like? And what do you where would you ultimately in the grand scheme of things, like, is it early days? Is I mean, what would, how would you describe that? Yeah. So I wrote a white paper on this concept of building a modern infrastructure for credit cards, right? I called it credit card operating system. And, and I'll tell you why I, I like the framing of operating system uh, for a brief moment is that if you look at the last five, 10 years with cloud and everything, everything is as a service, right? Payments as a service, banking as a service, uh, some people use the word credit card as a service, and you can go on this sort of bandwagon, debt as a service or capital markets as a service, I can keep on. And, and I think there is some value and, and utility aspect of it. When you say something as a service, it means, or it almost implies that it's something that you can sort of take it out of the shelf and apply in your use case, day-to-day -day, business value, consumer use case, whatever you have, right? And we, when we when I wrote the white paper in late 2021, before I went into the market to raise funds uh, to do a capital raise uh, for my seed round, I said that doesn't really capture the essence of what we're trying to solve. Because what it means when you say something as a service means it's cookie cutter. It's already prepackaged, predefined, and you just have to consume it. Yeah, it takes away friction, it takes away the simplification of the messaging, the product delivery, everything is simplified, distribution is scaled. But what it leaves out is the complexity of nuanced, complex product set that a credit card is. So the way we are approaching it, that we said we are essentially creating an operating system for credit cards where 
you have all of the framework from front end, how applicants apply for a credit card, how they are underwritten, uh, how they are approved or declined, what's the experience of issuing the card uh, and, and the processing and all of the servicing. Let's bring a platform that combines the entire value chain under one unified infrastructure where seamless data flows from one end to another, full visibility. And yes, it has the, the, the approach of simplification and, and standardization where people might benefit from it. We have that. But the operating system notion actually gives you this idea that it has the agility, the flexibility, the composability that you can build complex and better and, and scalable things on it as opposed to the cookie cutter service. So that's kind of the backdrop, right? Now, where we are in the journey, as I said, it's a very broad, big vision to construct, reimagine the entire value chain of credit card. And we started this in, let's say, last year sometime. So we haven't heads down in terms of uh, building a core platform. But a lot of people said, why are you building this? I mean, I was, uh, I spoke to a lot of people in the industry, uh, folks from Goldman Sachs, for example, who are former colleagues and friends. Uh, who were part of the Apple credit card launch and they spent two, three years of rigorous uh, time and money that went into this build and saying, you must be crazy, you are doing this. We couldn't figure out, it was still so painful with the kind of resources we had, the, the, the brand we had, and still it was painful. But if you can make it happen, it's a massive opportunity, right? So it's the, it's the balance. And I said, that's exactly why I'm doing it because if it was easy, somebody would have figured it out. So we have a lot of building that we have to do just to get the foundational pieces in place. In the journey as a milestone where we are, we are actually looking to bring our first few customers, the MVP design partner customers on the platform in the next three, four months. Um, we'll continue to show up our roadmap based on what we learned from our early customers. There's still continuing to be building the core platform as well as the all the services around it. And in our journey, um, we feel that we took an approach which was contrarian in many ways where we didn't decide to build on other providers infrastructure because we looked at the market and saw what is available and where the gaps are and if you were doing that then we will be playing into the same sandbox you kind of hit the wall very quickly in terms of where you can take the innovation forward so we decided against that which means we had to spend more time in the core infrastructure layer of building a credit core um, transaction manager that supports all of the live transactions we are building a new uh, digitally programmable rewards engine, which um, doesn't exist in the marketplace. People might say it does, but it doesn't, right? So a lot, lot of thoughtful execution on the overall platform build has happened. And now we want to bring those proof points in the market for the next uh, couple of uh, customers that we have uh, on, on, on the docket to be, to be launched. What are, the, what are the commonalities in some of these early adopter um, customer types, either the ones that you've you have partnerships with or the ones that you believe will be the next in the door? Like, what is it that they're after? What attributes do they have in common with each other? Yeah, I think the number one thing that we are learning from the marketplace, our original hypothesis, and this is a different time, right? When we went into the market last year, we're building, there was a lot of still leftover frenzy about crypto and challenger bank and fintechs in general. And we did spend our cycle. We paid our deals in time to working through the, the pipelines and conversations. But we quickly realized that given the, the market meltdown, all the late stage fintechs, uh, they have a lot of cleanup and reset to do. So nobody's really deploying resource on a new product category or a roadmap, even though we can solve it for them in ways where they don't have to deploy resources internally engineers. We do all of that. We do compliance, governance, program management. So they don't have to have 
bodies managing the program, but it's a different time uh, uh, state in the market. So what we are finding traction with is that there are fintech adjacents, people call it embedded finance, however you say it, where there might be a commerce player that has a strong uh, velocity of um, utility in terms of users making commerce purchases um, or adjacents in terms of insurance provider that have want to that have wanted to add value from engagement and loyalty. So what we're seeing is that credit card as an utilitarian sort of approach of embedding that in the life cycle of a, of a platform's users, uh, whether on the commerce side or adjacent, um, it's a marketplace for renters and homeowners. It's a bill payment provider that wants to bring a credit card that can seamlessly allow them to pay bills. Uh, it's a commerce CPG, consumer products goods company that wants to leverage their existing user base and embed a credit card product in, in, in the mix. And that's, what we, that's where we are seeing success. Obviously, commercial use cases is also opening up in terms of uh, B2B uh, usage. And, and the B2B, especially in the SMB segment, uh, credit card uh, as, a, as, a, as a product category is heavily underpenetrated, especially as you go lower down in the SMB segment. It's a huge opportunity. And how do you sort of solve for it in a verticalized manner? So you don't have to go and build a large SMB credit card, but is there a prop tech company that has builders or that has construction workers that can benefit from a credit product, right? So that's what we are sort of looking into mapping out and, and sort of uh, building into our roadmap to, to support that category. Yeah. So when you're in these conversations um, with potential partners or just peers in the industry, what, what are the common misconceptions that they have either about what you're building or just the landscape in general? Do you feel like you run into some misconceptions that you you try to kind of show a different point of view? Yeah, that's a big part of uh, the work I think uh, I think tallied we have to do is that historically credit card has been a very well understood category uh, product from the issuer perspective. So the banks have done it for decades and this is where they're bring billions of dollars in profit, not revenue, right? I mean, if you look at the numbers, but in the FinTech ecosystem, I think uh, credit card as a product category has been somewhat either overly simplified where people said, yeah, we already do credit. And when you look under the hood, all they are doing is they're processing a transaction as a credit transaction, but the underpinning behind that is still running on a, a pre-funded model. So you have prepaid construct supporting a credit card on the front end. So yeah, you are running a transaction message as a credit, but the backend infrastructure is still prepaid. And, and many of the modern players, I mean, you could talk to Marketa and Galileo and, and even Stripe. Uh, if you read between the lines of what they say, oh, we support credit. So that's that's one. The fintechs have either said, it, it's simple, we already do it, or there are some who have said, it's too complicated, uh, too regulated. Uh, this is not what we are playing into. So I think our job as Talid and, and, and the work we are doing is to, acknowledge and that's why i'm not using the word credit card as a service because the moment you say credit card as a service it means one of two things that there's all this complexity and it has been all boiled it down you have boiled it down into a very simple framework that's not the truth nor it is that oh this is already done and we are doing it and and a proof point i'll give you is that if you look at marketa i worked at marketa i was an exec there for a few years um if you follow their press releases over the last four years they said oh we are the modern payment processing infrastructure, card issuance for credit, debit, prepaid. I mean, that has been marketing. Then they said, we have credit card uh, capabilities that we do. We have a partnership with the bank. We have a partnership with the reserve, another player in the marketplace. 
they kept seeing this for four years. Finally, they realized that they need to acknowledge that they don't have the pieces and they bought a seed stage company just a few weeks ago because they had to signal to the market that they had the full story, the full package. So I think the, the misconception is that credit is already solved, it's done, or it's too complicated um, and, and people are staying away from that. Our approach is that there is a technology first, software first approach to reimagining the entire value chain and provide software layers for all of that, which is interesting and innovative for folks who want to build new types of credit card products that does not exist in the market, but it has the foundation and the stability and the core compliance and governance engine that you need to stand a program like a credit card, which has high degree of scrutiny from regulators. And you want to do the right things because you don't want to have incorrect uh, APRs applied to a cardholder because that's not done, right? So we are, we are looking to address this both from a technology and software and the storytelling we are doing there, but also in terms of bringing case studies in the market with customers where we want to be able to say that this is a very unique product from a credit card usage and utility value, but why the journey of building that program and launching with Tallied was so much different and simpler and, and, and delightful than it would have been otherwise. Yeah. When I imagine that this is a distinction that you have in conversation frequently with potential partners where you say, hey, listen, there's credit card as a service. We're not that. We're an operating system for these reasons. And here's the difference. How like when do you know that they get that, they understand it and it's appealing to them? Like, do you see the do you see it switch in their in their mind or do they kind of wrestle with it for a little bit? I imagine yeah. it it's varies, but yeah, I think it varies. So there are uh I mean People have imposter syndromes. Uh, there are folks who think they know the category. They have done it just because they were at a brand name company before, right? So they have that logo imposter syndrome just because I went to this place, this school, I went worked here, I know everything, right? So it's harder there, right? So what ends up happening in those conversations is that they think they can do it themselves. So they take down this path saying, yeah, I mean, we have talked about it. We have product people that we look at the roadmap and we are going to do it ourselves, right? So that's one. The, the folks who get it right away within the first five, 10 minutes of the conversation, when we have the conversation and, and when I talk about my background and the work we have done and the way we are doing it, uh, they get it right away. And even though they might have reservations about uh, us being an early stage company and how difficult and hard this, this stack is to build, the fact that the know-how, the underlying experience uh, of, of the last and, and even not just me personally, I mean, just to spend a minute about my team. Uh, our CTO is a veteran in technology. He was a distinguished engineer at Sun that built the Java virtual machine. We don't talk about it, but he's there. He was a CTO of a public company, three and a half billion, built the first cloud native issue processor, right? So that's the team. The person who's running our partnership, he spent five years at Deserve, on a, one of the credit card as a service company, uh, building 14, 15 different programs and getting it to market. Our head of ops, Vinnie, um, was a former exec at Citibank, Wells, Kickoff, and Deserve. So collectively, the know-how, the, the being on the ground, being on the battlefield, uh, there is no substitute for that, right? You can't just throw money and, and, and make that happen. So people who have been in, in, in this ecosystem and do understand even briefly the nuance of what it is, they get it. And the, the conversation quickly then shifts into okay, I mean, you guys are credible operators and, and have done it before. 
what's your timeline when can we when can we launch and then we get into the nitty gritties yeah it's like that i've learned uh through age that whenever i hear somebody say that it's easy it lets me know that they have no idea <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. because the person who's intimidated by it no they have enough experience to know this is not easy and and anything we're doing is not easy but it, exactly. I, I think that's kind of it's I mean, a simplistic way of what you just said it's the people who are experienced know this is complex and they know that there's credible people here that they're talking to who understand what it's going to take to do it the right way I mean, you see what is playing out in front of us, right? I mean, people have derided banking as a, as, a, as a sort of category and boring and all that. And in front of our eyes, we have one of the shiniest bank in the Silicon Valley, um, billions of dollars of assets uh, in management, deployment, however you look at, unfolding in front of us, right? I mean, so you can never say that you have you got it. There are so many pieces of a complex ecosystem of financial services and underlying regulatory risk and oversight and the macroeconomic conditions, all of that fits into being, doing business in financial services. And, and that's the other part, I mean, to, to, to talk about is that there's a technology layer, but credit cards have an underlying receivable component to it. That's an asset class and you have to manage risk around it, right? Both from underwriting, but also ongoing credit risk management, uh, as you see the market changing and shifting and, and do you go and lower somebody's credit uh, line, right? This is, a, this is a living and breathing sort of animal that you have to continue to manage. And, and we are bringing technology to help manage that in ways that hasn't been done. Yep. So it sounds like you would classify yourself as, even though you put in significant effort and you've got you've made a lot of progress, still early days in where you want to go ultimately. What would you say are some of the hurdles that you've cleared to date that you're really proud of looking back, whether it's technical hurdles or just from an organization standpoint or a partnership? What would you say? I think the technical hurdles is always something that, I mean, even if you have a credible team, when you are building a new software, you have this thing that is it going to work? And so I think we crossed some of the early hurdles of running an end-to-end -end transaction on the platform, all the way from the network rails into our system of record and ledger and having it function, right? So that, that was a technical hurdle that we crossed very uh, quickly, uh, given the team we have. Um, the other hurdle was getting prospects to sort of lean in in an early stage infrastructure company. That's always hard, no matter what you are doing, right? Um, in some ways, consumer business, you can throw a marketing page, throw an app, uh, and you can get some users and you can tell a story, look, we have 1000 signed users. In the B2B infrastructure, especially financial services, something as complex as credit cards, um, the hurdle was to people to believe that there can be a modern infrastructure for credit. And yes, there is a team that is building it. And yes, it is real. They have the runway, they have the capital, they have the team, they have the know-how, and they will deliver. I think that's something that, so, uh, that's why we didn't go out selling hard in the first six, eight months. We really started engaging in the marketplace, I would say in Q4 of last year. And because we wanted to have a line of sight into when we can have proof points and, and we now have, and the conversations are much, much um, easier now than it was six months ago, uh, where people believe that, yeah, it's possible and where we are on the trajectory of launching and delivering. So I think both on the commercial side, uh, the hurdle, um, the believability aspect of it. And obviously when you are building a complex software, there's always unknowns that you figure out. And the other piece I would say is that we operate in a complex ecosystem. So we have uh, networks like Visa, MasterCard, Amex, those uh, players. 
we have to still work with partner banks uh, to sponsor our programs uh, for non-bank customers. Uh, so there's always friction. The moment you have many players in the ecosystem, natural friction, and I wouldn't describe it as an insurmountable hurdle, but that friction can, can sort of delay your go-to-market, can add um, additional layer of complexity and overhead that you have to be uh, aware of and then manage proactively. You can't ignore those. Yeah. Well, in the you're in the founder role and any I, every founder I know has people giving them well-intentioned advice. Um, it's it, it's like magnetic to you, right? Like it comes to you. People try to give you well-intentioned advice. Is there any advice that you've had to ignore because it, it actually in your in your position it was it was not good advice and you've had to ignore it? Anything that comes to mind there? Yeah, I think I mean you continue to get advice and you have to be open to to listen and, and take it in and see what is good, what what is contextual, what is not. And and so I've generally operated from that place all my life on all dimensions. Um, I think few things that, uh, and it, last year when we were um, sort of raising and getting out of the door, there was definitely directionally people, I mean, it's very, very contextual is, is that crypto was still the thing, right? And I, I don't know how many times I got asked by potential sort of investors or advisors and saying, what is your DeFi strategy, right? Are you building the ledger or the core system of record on blockchain? Or are you thinking about creating a new currency or token for credit cards as, as an asset class tied into it? And, and those are novel thoughts. I mean, I have had those myself, but I had to sort of gracefully acknowledge and say that's something that we will consider in the future. Even though I knew that this was a trying to go on a, on a DeFi story in front of a bank partner in a, in a category like credit card was a non-starter. I knew intrinsically based on being in the market, so that's one which was a very contextual uh, thing that I had to politely sort of uh, absorb and, and move on. But that's the that's the that's the aspect of I mean, the more you are out there doing anything meaningful in the world, there will be more advice and suggestions and criticisms that will come your way. And having the self awareness to know which uh, applies in this point at this point in the journey you are on uh, with the context you are playing in and taking it in, even if it is not something that is natural to you right so you all we all have blind spots and sometimes these advices can help you uncover those blind spots uh, you may decide not to act on it right away but i think just even that there is value but um yeah i mean that self-awareness on on, on 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 decision making and understanding the context and and filtering it through is for the vital cognitive leadership skill that uh, one needs to have uh, when you operate in this, this domain. Yeah, I love how you put that. I, I hadn't thought about this until now, but I think to your point, it it gives you more conviction whenever you someone says, hey, you know, it might be an easier path for you if you integrate this type of thinking into your, into your uh, idea. And you know that there might be something to that. It's a legit path you hadn't really considered and you could do that. It might be a smoother go. And then when you, but when you turn it down and say, that's not us and that's not what we're going for, I do think it adds more conviction because you've had to say that door opened and I'm closing it. And so I really got to be about the door I'm about to walk through. And, and that, that comes all the way from a very strategic sort of decisions you make, which direction, which market, which approach you are taking from a business model, all the way down to the roadmap, right? Yeah. I mean, where you might say, yeah, I mean, this is a harder path to build this component, but we are doing it. 
and and people might say no no there are other services available so it sort of transcends um the the enormity of the decision or, or the context you are playing it but that framework still applies right yeah but I, it, yeah i think we both agree it sharpens the thinking and yeah. uh and that's so important is to focus and make not only on what you're building but who you're going after who is it relevant to or do we start and that type of thing to where we're not boiling, boiling the ocean and not getting very far, you know, yeah. what has been some of the more rewarding aspects, um, since, uh, tallied has become a thing. Yeah. I think the most rewarding aspect for me is, um, really working with the, the best team that I can work with. Um, and many of, I mean, almost each and every member of the team, especially the core leadership team and then the team underneath that has come along. Uh, I feel like they were chosen in, in many ways. Um, I had ideas that I'm going to go out and reach out to this person and see if that person will consider a co-founder or maybe I'll bring this person as uh, my head of revenue. And and in, in many ways, it has played out uh, in the most optimal ways for the right level of experience and skill and the right cultural uh, sort of fit that we have found. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, uh, and I think that has been the most surprising, uh, pleasant, pleasantly surprising aspect where you always hear about all these stories of how it is so hard in the early days uh, for the team and there's so much friction. And I've been part of some startups where uh, early stage where there was a lot of friction between co-founders and engineering and product and sales and all of that. So I've, I've seen some of that and I've been pleasantly surprised that uh, we we have assembled or the team has come together in ways that I couldn't have sort of expected. Uh, and, and my job as, as, as a leader of the, the team here is to provide the right context and the cultural foundation that is fluid enough at this stage that we can still have the ability to absorb uh, things that are beneficial. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it has a strong foundation to build on. So that's how yeah. we yeah, I've, I don't know if I've read this or or what, but I, I've heard or I believe it anyway. It's the first ten people make all the difference. Like the the first ten people in the door really set the foundation of what you're going to become. And if you get that wrong, it's not going to go right ever. And if you do get it right, you can really do some great things on top of that. But the uh, you always want a little bit of healthy uh, debate internally, but you don't want too much that it just becomes unproductive. And I would say that probably falls out of your leadership. It's the way you carry yourself and have built the culture. That's probably the key source of it. It helps have good people, but uh, you have a lot of influence over that, whether, you know, every leader does, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. And and funny, it, it's, it's, it's kind of un uncommon values. One of the values we have that we have discussed as a team is uh, deliver without drama. And it applies at all the levels. It means that when you have an issue with a, with a topic or something, make sure that your communication has as less drama as possible and you're delivering the core message. When we have delivery in front of our customers, no need to get all worked up, know that there are decisions and deadlines and commitments and, and deliverables. If you can take the drama out, it will make for a better experience for our customer. Um, it will come across as professional, objective, really value driven, but it will also make your day a lot lighter from an emotional overload that people have in you know, a day-to-day job. And building a startup is a long journey, long arduous journey. And the more we can preserve the emotional capital that we have um, towards positive sort of reinforcing behavior and work that we do outside of work and, and also reinforcing inside of the culture, 
I think the more energy we can bring to, to the work that we are actually in the, in the professionally we are working towards, right? A uh, lot of emotional energy gets drained in useless arguments, fights, drama, all of that. And it's a burden on, on human capital energy that we can we can preserve and save and put it to better use. It's so true. You could have a rough conversation in the morning and the whole day is shot because of that one little thing. So I love that um, that value. I think that's great. We um, We have kind of a saying around here that it's like always assume positive intent. Like we're all here working hard. If you don't agree with something, it probably wasn't because of that negative intent. Let's understand what that intent is and understand the other viewpoint. And then we can go from there. And I think it's similar, right? It takes a little bit of the drama out, assuming someone's out to get you. It's not the case. It's they had a positive reason for that. Let's figure that out. Yeah. So what's next in the industry? What's next for Tally? What are you what are you looking ahead at either for yourselves or just the space in general that you're that's on your mind right now? Yeah, uh, the industry first, I think, as we are un unpacking in front of us with, with uh, a large bank filling and FTX and crypto and all of those things, the valuations uh, cratering uh, over the last 18 months. So I think getting back to the basics uh, for the industry, there is going to be a reset. Uh, there are companies, I mean, for better or worse, uh, will not make it. And we are seeing that, right? Uh, it's the sort of the cycle of evolution that happens in the capital <laughs> capitalistic sort of uh, process or the machine that runs on its own. Um, so what it means from an industry perspective, I think FinTech as we have seen or as we have sort of felt over the last 10, 12, 15 years, uh, will we'll get more hardened in the sense of, you will find that there are loose connections where there was no real business value or, or, or the imperative to create value that people were selling is not there. Those connections will die off, right? It's like your neurons, <laughs> the pathways where there was no real sort of signal, they needs to be turned off and done, right? But the ones that are reinforcing in terms of creating value and, and which helps you sort of evolve personally uh, as a human being, they get reinforced, right? Uh, so I think what we're gonna see is that we will see that happening, the reset, the hardening in the ecosystem as a whole, uh, and, and a lot of noise will sort of start to subside over the next six, nine, 12 months, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, I mean, that's part of the cycle you can't sort of argue with. A um, lot more focus on infrastructure, the core foundational pieces um, that are not sort of fly-by-night business models that you can sell to an investor, get some money and, and, and sort of juice up and get out. So I, I think we'll see uh, back to the basics sort of mindset and business models uh, in how customers engage, um, the types of companies that we will see continue to succeed and, and build value. Uh, and and we, we love that, right? Because even though I came late in the cycle of the whole FinTech frenzy, um, I never wanted to build a business for the frenzy. I wanted to build a business for generations which has the foundation of uh, creating value, right? Uh, so we, we actually want to thrive in that. And, and our work is not going to get easier. If anything, it becomes harder because the bar is raised for everybody. And we have to earn our way to succeed in that uh, newly raised bar. And we continue to push in, in that uh, from commercial, how we engage with our customers, how we engage with our prospects. Even when we don't have a solution, we want to come across as, look, we are thoughtful, we understand your requirements and need, and this is not a fit. I want to deliver that sort of aspect of experience. And obviously, when we can deliver the value and, and we, want to, we want to be the best partner they would have had, uh, 
in their entire business sort of uh, relationships. That's the that's the aspirational sort of strive for excellence that we have set for ourselves, and also back it up with the software and technology that we built. Right. I, I have a saying that we put our software where our mouth is, uh, as opposed to sales pitch deck and vaporware and so on and so forth. So that's what we are we are playing for. 